This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. It is Thursday and you got the three amigos. We're going to tackle three topics together, but let's welcome Matt and Dion to the show. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing awesome, Mike. Super excited to be here on Thursday afternoon. Yeah, this is going to become a thing. People really like the three of us getting together. So uh, that's going to be good. And Dion, how are you? I love it. I'm doing good, Mike. I'd like to do this every Thursday. It'd be great. I am yeah. definitely ready for round one. Yep. Round one. Let's do, let's just plan right now. Every Thursday it's, it's uh, this seems to work for everybody. So the first thing I want to do is I have spent a lot of time battling this idea about 2021, just being like 2006. Both of you were like the first time I went on my just rant. I just ranted for 10 minutes in a, a live session. Both of you said basically, Hey, put, put that in a spreadsheet. Let's look at it. So I did. And oh, by the way, I've added some more metrics. So what I thought I'd do is I would share that first. And then after we do that for a little while, I also want to bring up these horrible forbearance numbers because they are truly tragic. tragic. Uh, but we, we will share the source and we will look at that together. So uh, let me bring up the spreadsheet first and we will talk 2021 versus 2006. All right. So hopefully you guys can see that or see that shortly. Yep. Awesome. So um, have you guys seen me go through this? You want me to go through it quickly? Do any of these, you know, any of these jump out at you that you really want to dig into? What, what, how do you guys want to handle this? You think Dion, any thoughts? I think going through it would be great just in case okay. somebody watching this video hasn't seen you do that in the other. Okay. All right. So we'll just go through them and then I'll, I'll stop after each one and allow you guys to kind of throw, uh, throw questions or whatnot. So, so the first thing to realize about 2021 versus 2006 is we have a vastly different inventory picture, right? Available homes for sale today, 1.3. A normal market is rough and tough, 3.1. In 2006, we actually had 3.7 million homes. We actually had more homes. We were in a buyer's market, not a seller's yes. market, right? So okay. very different, very different attitude. So um, any, any thoughts or any thoughts you guys were looking at the market, maybe in 06 versus today, just any, any first thoughts? It was the same euphoria, but there was triple the inventory. Yeah. Yeah. And Dion, were you yet buying or not quite yet? So in 2006, I was a homeowner. I wasn't okay. an investor yet. Mm -hmm. And I think the perspective then, because we hadn't been through a 2008 yet mm -hmm. was right. that prices could only go up. Correct. So even homeowners were trying to get into home ownership because the trajectory of prices was so much that every year you waited yeah. was just going to cost you hundreds of thousands more. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Uh, the next one is actually one of the most important points in all of this is we came into 2006 on an amazing hot streak for the nation, right? There are cities, there are micro areas where you could see a 48% jump in three years because a big employer came in big investment, something. There are times where that makes sense. But when you look at the nation, the United States, and you go, the nation saw 48% growth. 
in housing values in three years, I can tell you right now, that's not normal. That's unhealthy. That's too fast. And then well, there today- were one, There were ones that were even high. I mean, there were ones that were even higher than that, Mike. Oh, right? like I, I, Vegas was, you know, 200 and something percent. Oh, it was nuts. I mean, yeah. I, I happened to be Fresno, California was two, was the number one uh, major metro two years in a row. So yeah, I, I yeah, it, there were plenty above that, but yeah, it was really hot. And then to compare it today, we had a great 2020, right? 15%. But when you look at a three-year period, 19, 20, 21, it's, it's only about 24, it might, might be 25, 26, but half the growth we had from last time. The biggest one that people just don't understand they weren't investing in 2006 is the 30-year fixed rate mortgage for the best credit 20% down owner awk was 6.41 and today it's 2.88 that fact alone needs to wake people up yeah and then uh, one i got from barry habib barry habib brought this to my attention i've looked it up and validated it uh basically the median home uh home buyers median home buyers age when they make their first acquisition is 31 in a couple of months so what i did is i subtracted 31 years from 2006 and you get 1975 it actually happened to be one of the trough years for births in the u.s i think 74 was the actual trough um 3.1 million births uh and then 2021 minus 31 is 1990 uh there's 4.2 so there's a mil 1.1 million more people aging into first-time homeowners in an environment where we have 1.3 million homes. What's also interesting, Mike, is that that 31 years is 31, like you said, in a few months, but mm -hmm. literally just two years ago, it was 32, 32, 10. Yeah, it was, it's, so it's come down over a year and a half, which means we've got a larger segment of younger folks entering the market mm -hmm. than we ever have before. Yeah. It's, and that's the age that's the age of people that are in the, not in the middle of their career, but they're pretty well established in their career. Right? Mm -hmm. This is the first year where pretty much every industry that could across the board said, why don't you work from home? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Work from, yeah. And if you were, exactly. a, you were an urban renter, right? If you were a class A urban renter, a large percentage of those folks went an hour outside and bought a home. Yep. Right. For less than their rent was. It's pretty, pretty common. So here's the big one for me, right? The scars that I saw in the crisis last time were a lot because of the mortgage that people took out. I, this, this still hurts. 50% of the mortgages that were originated in 2006 are adjustable rate mortgages. Not good. Not good. Yep. Not good. So an interesting number about that, Mike, is mm -hmm. that a mortgage rep, because I talked to a buddy of mine who was selling mortgages at that time, mm -hmm. he would make four to five times the commission selling an adjustable rate mortgage than he would selling a 30-year fixed. He would. And, yeah. and he's like almost always within 12 to 24 months, kind of from 04, 05 to 07, 08, he said the number of times that I took people and moved them into another product two, three, four times. He said, I had one that was at least six times. And he said, in a 30 year fixed, I wouldn't have gotten that many refis. He's like, I would have maybe gotten the second one out of some of them. Mm -hmm. And he said, but I got three, four, five out of some individuals refinancing the same mortgage because I could do something better on what they were getting for a rate yeah. with some new, with some new product that came out, you know? 
Yeah, it was um, the big Wild short, West. folks. The big short you've got to watch, especially the bankers, how they were all flying high and then suddenly they weren't. Um, there were a lot of brokers that were not doing right by their clients. Just, yeah. And then again, today, I'm, I'm happy to say we have less than 3% adjustable rate mortgages. Um, again, a, a product that is, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of, but I guess if it's only 2%, there's probably life events that makes that okay, but it can't be 50%. That's, that's not good. But even that number, Mike, has doubled in the last 18 months. That yeah. used to be like 1.1 or 1.2, and now mm -hmm. it's 2.2. Yeah. So even that number's doubled. But so that might be just maybe. <laughs> Mm -hmm. That might be something that we keep an eye on over the next three, six, nine, 12 months. Because mm -hmm. if we start to see that number tick up where it's not two, two, it's yeah. four, two, it's seven, two, it's 10, two. Yeah. That, that might be, that might be the sign of, of things to come as well. And I think then we might, yeah, go ahead. I think we might see more adjustable rate mortgages because in 2006, we didn't have YouTube university. We didn't mm -hmm. have, Right. So much information available for people to become investors. And the, mm -hmm. the strength of a new investor is those first 10 mortgages. Correct. Locking That's in 30-year right. fixed rate, low interest rate loans. And a lot of us that have been investing for the last 10 years, as we're getting educated by all of the people willing to put the content out there, are hitting those 10 mortgage limits mm -hmm. and starting to move into commercial yeah. adjustable rate loans. But yeah. you have the portfolio at that point to handle fluctuations with the percentages. Yes. It's those first few investors with that first or second rental, if they had an adjustable rate mortgage, they're the ones that would get in trouble. Blow up, yeah. And this is the, this is the loan product that did so many people in. I believe it, is the, it was the pen that popped the bubble that then cascaded to all adjustable rate mortgages. There was this thing called NAG-AM or pick a payment, full 30-year, full 15-year payment, interest only, and then this stupid negative minimum payment where they would take half the payment and stick it on the back of the loan. 14.4% of all loans that were originated in 06 were this product. Just horrible. And yeah. you know, once value stopped going up, that product blew up. I believe that was the, that was the major catalyst that brought Wachovia to its knees. Yes. I think uh, it did Countrywide? Countrywide? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, this this is the product that um, yeah, it was it it was the last it all but let's be clear, this product pushed that last year of appreciation because it was so obviously widespread. Right. But mm -hmm. then once they started rolling over and you couldn't refi out, done. And right. I am happy to say there are zero percent today. That's not a product that is offered anymore. Thank God. Agreed. Uh, cash buyers is interesting, right? We have only 9% of cash buyers, again, probably because of all the adjustable rate mortgages and all of that, right? Investors were pretty active in 06. Obviously, I was I was buying. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but cash buyers were only 9%. They're about 33% today, uh, which is interesting. And I do believe hard money is counted here as cash. Um, it's just not a bank loan. Uh, but this is also outside forces, right? Like the hedge funds, they're talking about them. Right? There's a lot of cash buyers today. I think the biggest percent add to that number, Mike, mm -hmm. is um, is the California to Texas buyer. The oh, California good point. To Florida, the Massachusetts and New York to New Hampshire. Yes, you know because they're selling a you know four hundred square foot closet. Yeah, <laughs> or you know one point three million dollars, and they come here and they realize they get oh you a God. five thousand square foot home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, yeah, for nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's a big part of it, I think, too. That, it's not that you're wrong, Matt, which I was looking for that to make a point out you're wrong. That's actually 
factual. I think yes. another aspect of cash buyers is the education. Yeah. Sure. In 2006, the Burr method didn't have a terminology, didn't have its acronym. Sure. And it was happening in large multifamily. People were buying multifamily places, fixing them up and refinancing them to pull money out and repeat the process. Now that's a almost to me, it sounds like common household term that people will buy a place with hard money or with mm-hmm. friends and family money, mm-hmm. fix it up, you know, refinance it into a regular loan. So that would count as a cash purchase. It would originally. Yep. It does. You're absolutely right. I think that is becoming a, a theme and it probably becomes an even bigger theme into the end of the year, uh, which is what, which should be exciting. Uh, then we got median home price. This is the one that everybody's pointing at. You guys realize that if price was 243 in 2006 and it's 287, we've got to be in for a crash, right? <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. And the numbers below explain that. Yeah. yeah. Kind of crazy. Dion, any thoughts on that? Just that mindset? When prices started to go up in 2013, people were saying that we're approaching the numbers of 2006. So sit back and wait for the crash and then buy because they can't go any higher. This is how high they were when we had the last crash. And since 2013, that means people have been missing out on eight years of cash flow, appreciation, principal pay down, waiting for the crash. Yeah, it's just silly. All right, so now here's the big one, folks. It, as I have been preaching, talking about since the day I went to YouTube, it is not about the price, it is about the payment. So when you take an average um, 20% down on the average price with the interest rate above for 2006, you get a whopping payment of 12.21. And then if you do the same exercise, and again, the, the price is higher, the price is higher, the price is higher, but the payment is lower. It's now only $9.59. You save almost $300. Let's call it $240. So yes, the price is higher. Your YouTube idiots out there are correct. Uh, but you're now saving $240. Um, that's just, it's just the power of the interest rate. And the only question, Mike, is that if you want to directly correlate that to make this really simple, and I, I don't want to steal any thunder from later in the spreadsheet. It's fine. But that means, and rents are higher now than they were in 06. Mm-hmm. And that means that all you've done is move another $272 mm-hmm. to your bottom line. Yeah. That's what you've done effectively. Yeah. And it gets better, as you said, just in a minute. Of course. So yeah. now uh, I, I forget, it might've been Dion, might've been Matt. One of you said, hey, idiot, you forgot income the first time I went on my rant. And you're right, I did. <laughs> So I looked at the median income. I said it nicely. You did. <laughs> but I translated it as you idiot. <laughs> yeah. So median income for a family of four. So this is mom, dad, two kids was let's call it 60 grand in 2006. Mm-hmm. And now let's call it 80 grand in 2021. Yeah. So you make an extra 20 grand and your payments down 240 bucks. I don't, I, I don't understand why you think this, 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 I don't understand. I just, I don't get why you guys are calling for a crash. Okay. Next up, let's talk about the average credit score of a loan in 2006. It was 633. We, the loans that were being done in 06, all the, all the kind of a buyers were done in 04. Then they had these alt a, and then they were going subprime. So (laughs) sub, you know, the credit score was 633. The credit score, I, I couldn't find a measure for 2021. So I, I put the source there, Q4 2020, was a whopping 786. That's insane. 
That's just the top of the K-shaped recovery. That's the people that can do, right? Well, a, a large part of this too is also access to technology. In 2006, to run your own personal credit score, your average investor had to spend money and had to find a way to do it. There weren't apps yeah. like Credit Karma where you could five times a day, if you feel like you can go and see how did that last credit card transaction impact my credit score almost yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. There's lots of people getting their money right, Mike. Yeah. That, yeah. Again, that's a hundred and I just did the math. That's 153 point difference. Yeah. It's that's a, and that is a huge number. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. 780 is the, is the minimum. This, I got this from Matt, the mortgage guy, 780 is the minimum for the top, like the tippity top credit product, right? Or you'll, you'll get absolutely best rates above 780. So yeah, they're crazy. still doing a majority of their deals mm -hmm. above the top line. Yeah. That is just, nuts. that's crazy. Crazy. All right. So now let's talk about rents. Cause again, we are a one rental at a time channel. Uh, the first one turned out to be apartments. That's why it was so low. I'm like, that's not what I'm looking for. But since I had the data, I added it. Rents for apartments were 720. Now they're 1104, right? 1100. So what's that? 400 bucks, mm -hmm. uh, 380, whatever. But houses, and this data I bet is old because I bet you it's even higher now. Houses were renting for 940. Now they're renting for 1460. Mm -hmm. So, okay, wait, I buy a rental. I pay less for it. I have more income. And now I'm netting an extra $500 in cash. Huh, seems like <laughs> a safe investment to me. Well, not only you, so you're, so to add up those numbers though, you're 500 plus mm -hmm. the previous, you know, two, 260. Yeah. yeah and so you're 760 a month to the good, to the good, hitting all the way to the bottom line on your 30 year fixed debt. Yeah. You're welcome. Exactly. Like, this was a question that came up in the private Facebook group for one rental at a time today mm -hmm. on how to set rents in a hot market. Yeah. And normally probably some, some of this data is coming from things like rentometer and I've used, and I've used to call the housing authority and ask them what they would pay because they were pretty spot on for area average rents, but they base that information on historical data. They look at the last 12 months and they say, here's what's been happening. Rents are going up so fast this year. That's inaccurate. Yes. <laughs> The only way to really find out current rents is to try to find a place to rent yourself to see what your competition right. is doing currently Agreed. today. Agreed. Right. And so it's a great time to have those rentals that you get one at a time. Yeah. One rental at it. This, this you'll, is, you'll find it. Go ahead. You'll find that in the house hacking part of your course. Just yeah. so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. Yeah. Th this is the best time to get into one rental at a time because the market is changing real time and it's changing in your favor. It's slowing down. Listings are going up. Demand's going down. You can, I mean, it is so rare to find motivated sellers. I think we're going to have a good six month window where you're going to find them. Yep. Uh, and again, folks, this, these are when in doubt national numbers. Don't call me and bug me about Boise or Nashville or any specific market. These are national numbers. Everybody needs to learn their market. Uh, I did take the time to go get my numbers because again, those are the markets I can talk about. So in 2006, we were heading to the low of 20, but we weren't there yet. Uh, my market was at 25. And again, I got the, the data's right there on California associations or realtorcar.org. Today in, in Fresno, it's 46. So I am very healthy. Uh, I don't get nervous until I'm at 25 or below. And then just because Fresno's maybe a market nobody's heard of because it's a smaller city, I, I did San Francisco. It was a nine. I've never seen a single digit right? It was a nine uh, in San Francisco. And today it's a 20. 
right? Still not great, but it's not nine. And then the last thing to talk about is the financial institutions or the banks or the lenders. The lenders in 06 didn't know what they had. They were all collateralized CDOs. They owned tranches. They couldn't work with you. Hence the word strategic default, meaning the borrower took all the responsibility and mailed the keys in. Today, as we will see in a minute, when we look at the horrible forbearance numbers, the banks are now doing avoidable foreclosures. The mindset is completely shifted. So that's the numbers, guys. Any numbers in there jump out at you? Do you guys think 2021 is just like 06? And we'll go to Dion first. Well, I don't think it's at all the same. There's no chance of a crash or even a real good size correction coming. But I wanted to point out something, the genius in the way that you look at the affordability numbers and not a genius. So correct me if I've got this way off, mm -hmm. but that's a metric that shows you when you're comfortable to keep the properties you have. And if that number drops low enough, you know that the affordability is so bad that it's the best time to sell, which is what you did when you got out of single family and into large multifamily. It's a, it's a singular metric that tells you when to take a look at your portfolio to maybe pivot and make a huge change based on the best time to make the most profit from the sale and to get out of an asset class that's going to be running into trouble. How close am I with the way that sounded? No, it's, it's exactly right, right? I, the affordability index is my red, yellow, green to use a stoplight methodology. And anything above 30 is green, between 30 and 25 is yellow and below 25 is red. And you are absolutely right. I kid you not. Uh, I will sell every asset I own if you want to overpay for it. And affordability is when, when a market gets hot. It just means let, the average person can't buy the average home. And guess what I rent? I own the average home in Fresno. Mm -hmm. And if people can't afford to buy them, it's going to get into trouble. And folks, do the work. Learn your market, right? You can go back and look at the affordability index for decades. California Association of Realtor does it for California. I'm sorry, it doesn't do it for your state. But go back and look. Look at 1990, 95, 2000, 2005. Get the history and figure out what your market is because it's telling you. Affordability index, it's, it's just such a powerful single metric. It is my stoplight. It, it's average income, average price, current interest rates. It's, it's just the thing. And today, folks, it's a 46. It's nowhere close to 30. It's, it's okay. Dion, is that something you track? Does, does your state have that? Or do you have to manufacture it on your own? I have to kind of do the research on my own and come yeah. up with some of the data. I haven't found a, a way that it's coming out. But one thing that I've learned is to really watch Mike's content uh, and to know what I need to be studying. You know, yeah. I was one of the victims of last year thinking prices were going up but the payments lower because I wasn't yeah. tracking what was happening with interest rates until Mike said it in one of his videos. And I wouldn't look at affordability by, you know, comparing the numbers that Mike was just talking about, which right. when this is uploaded, I'm going to back up <clears throat> to that specific point and watch that, take notes, write it down um, and, and know the metrics that I need to go research. So yeah. Thanks. Very Mike. cool. Awesome. Yeah. Our, our market here is a one. And when was, when was the last time it was a one? Uh, 98, did you tell me that before? Uh, so no, in 99 was the last time we saw 23% or 24% appreciation in a single mm -hmm. year, which is okay. what we just got the last year. Yeah. But now the affordability index is a one and as far back as they've tracked that, Mike, not even, in, so in 06, maybe 07, it hit four. Yeah. So this beat that. 
Yeah. And, and, and again, right. If I was in that market, I would look at that going, Ooh, sell my mm -hmm. single families. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a bubble market. And then I, then I, again, I don't know your market from anything, but I've been doing this long enough to go, well, let's see, there's nothing going on in New Hampshire, the economy that changed that. Maybe there's something about these freaking rich Massachusetts and New Yorkers coming in and importing, importing their incomes and just saturating your market. Okay, well, I guess I'm going to sell a lot of houses. If that, if that happened, like if San Francisco and LA wealth moved to Fr uh, Fresno, shoot, I'd be out in a heart, you know, yeah. the pr prices would double and I'd sell everything. Yep. And that's what we did. Every there you go. Every well, hey, single, I want every single family. I want to Except show you the horrible forbearance numbers because it is a train wreck for people that have been, um, you know, hoping it was coming. So I actually am going to share it. So that way people don't go, where is it? Where is it? So here it goes. And actually it was a viewer that actually sent this to me. Awesome. So this was um, calculated July 11th and I just went right to the summary. So MBA is, you know, some kind of forbearance. I don't know if that stands for something. Um, NBA senior vice president put this together. Mike Frontine, Front something or other. I can't say that up here. Anyway, Fred and Tony. Yeah, sure. Whatever he said. All right. <laughs> so here we go, guys. These are the horrible numbers. Remember, 4.2 million people in forbearance. Not anymore. So first off, 28% of the loans uh, have were resulted in a loan deferral or partial claim. So about a quarter of them had some kind of workout. They stuck the interest somewhere and the person staying in their home. That's what that means. The next one, this is the one I, I kept screaming was gonna happen. Look at this. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. I told people a year ago that they made this so darn easy that people were gonna get into it just cause they weren't sure. Mm-hmm. Roughly 20- We did that. Yeah, roughly 25% of the people- We did that never missed a payment yeah yeah my bank literally called me and said you know if you have any concern enter forbearance now yeah and i was like any concern any concern like, okay literally that was the, that was exactly what they said if you have any concern enter it you know get into it now and i was like well is there a penalty to getting into it nope can i get out of it anytime i want yep yeah i mean yeah. okay i have a concern i mean yeah sure we, I have we lots of concerns. All, yeah, my, we were my all, beard's getting rugged. <laughs> we were all storing up money, right? Oh, we I all, remember. We I were remember. all storing up money in March and April of last year. I got that call in April and I just said, all right, that's fine. And then literally after 60 days when it's like, okay, everything's going to be okay. I called them up and said, I want to get out of this program. They're like, okay, sounds good. Just yeah. you know, make your payment next month. Was, oh, okay, sounds good. Crazy. All right, here we go. 15.7% didn't make all of their monthly payments, so they may have had missed a month or two, but they are now out of the program and had no loss mitigation plan in place. They have agreement with the bank to continue making payments. So far, this doesn't sound like a lot of properties coming back to the market, but <laughs> just we're almost there. 13.5% had re resulted in re reinstatements and paying back past due amounts, picking up where they left off. 13.5% of the people cut a check mm -hmm. and said, I'm good, right? Thanks for the six month pause. Here's six months of payments. Let's just keep going. Crazy stuff. And people thought there was a wave of foreclosures coming. 
10.7% actually got a loan modification. So this was pretty common in 06, or at least it happens sometimes. It's a lower interest rate, extended term. Hello, 40-year mortgage. Yeah. So, but again, homeowner stays in home. This one's good. This one's really fun. 7.4% of people fully paid off the loan. <laughs> now, that just sounds funny, but that means they either sold the house or refied the loan. I doubt many actually just paid off the loan, but I guess it could happen. And then, oh, by the way, down here at the bottom is the whopping size of the short sales and deed in lieu. And just in case you want to do the math, which I did this morning because somebody told me I was wrong and I wasn't, they were. 1.5% uh, times 4.3 million is 63,000 homes. 63,000 homes across the country coming on at different times is a blip. The thing it's not that even is a blip. <laughs> so I, Go ahead, the Dan. thing that is always missing from news reports or the sky is falling YouTube channels is what, what these numbers look like in a normal year. Mm. At the beginning of the pandemic, when they were saying oh, last month, 20% of everybody didn't pay their rent when almost always 10% of everybody doesn't pay their rent. So yeah. it wasn't like it was 20% of new people just decided to have a problem. Mm -hmm. The numbers mm -hmm. went up some. And so if you have 1.5% that ended up in an actual problem. Mm -hmm. I think I would have to find the data, but that doesn't sound like it's very far off of a regular year. It's not. I've actually looked it up. It's 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 right in the kind of bell curve of a normal year. Yeah. It's it's just not going to be a problem. So if you are out there hoping and praying for a deal, right? I can't tell you how many people say I'm going to shop in Vegas because Vegas is going to go on sale, right? Vegas is a service-based economy, all of these things. I can't wait for half price. Folks, it's not coming. It's not going to happen. There may, I mean, you basically all you negative YouTubers, you got to pick on something else because it's not going to be the forbearance period. And oh, by the way, we're no longer at 4.2. We're at 1.7, right? Yeah. It, Every month it's, it's going it's, down. It's not going to be anything in the housing market that causes any sort of an adjustment in the housing market. It's going to be massive inflation, unemployment. It's going to be something that's exterior to the actual housing market itself. Yeah, because the loans are different. The buyers are strong. I mean, we just did it, right? Average credit score, 786. Incomes are up. Payments are, I mean, it's just, it's mind boggling to think that people thought. And oh, by the way, people have equity, right? They could sell, right? Seven point, whatever it was. They just sold the home and they walked away with a check. If you only looked at that spreadsheet, Mike, yeah, you would think it's an awesome freaking time to get in the market, yeah. right? Yeah. If you looked at that spreadsheet and you said, compared to where we were in 06, I'm going to make, the number was $700, but that was effectively 100% more or 200% more income. Well, I want to be very clear. 2006, if you were buying, you were buying alligators. That's why I was yeah. selling. Absolutely. Right? You were buying, you were not going to buy my house on Norris Drive at 264, rent for 1100 in cash flow. Mm -mm. Didn't nope. happen. It was a stupid neg am loan that allowed it to look okay for two years. Today, you can buy homes in cash flow. It's just such a different market. So I just I just ran a quick set of numbers looking at that spreadsheet, and by doing absolutely nothing, sitting on my hands throughout last year, my net worth would have went up six hundred thousand dollars based on that twenty four percent inflation or appreciation that we had in the, in the housing. Mm -hmm. um, so anybody thinking I'm going to wait and buy when there's a crash is missing out on that now, and I've got the smallest portfolio by <laughs> far of the three of us. So. Yeah, yeah I, I did. I did a little bit more than that last year. 
Yeah, a little bit. So for All everyone right. watching, this is the time to get into real estate, be yeah. the asset owner and benefit from things like inflation. That's right. Don't fear it. 30 year money. I mean, I kid you not. I would go buy 10 houses today. If I can get 30 year money at 2.88, I would, I, and I'd keep them. It, I mean, it's just mind boggling. Do the work. I do see more inventory. I see less owner occupants buying because they're taking summer vacations. And that means you have, for the first time in several years, the chance to find a motivated seller if you do the work, if you do the work. So, um, Matt, what do you want to say as we exit topic number one? That's all correct. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I mean, people do the numbers. You know, I'm not doing it in my market because, again, we're hyper-local. But, Mike, if I were in your shoes, 30-year debt with a 46 for affordability... I would Let's buy go. 10 houses. I would buy 10 houses tomorrow. If you can get the 30 year fixed debt. I mean, it's a no brainer. And again, do the work. It's hyper local. I've got a one. So even if I had the money, which I do, I am not buying any single family homes no. because every single one of them is a loss leader. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Alligator. And Dion, as we wrap this up. I want to say thanks for doing the work, Mike, the work <laughs> that you do. Cause it keeps been, if it's benefiting me and I know I'm, addicted to the world of finance now that I've figured out you can make work optional. I know that you're benefiting a lot of people that are just looking at this casually and you're doing the work for them. So yeah. thanks. Cool. You got it. Well, I look forward to topic number two. We're going to actually start asking or answering some student questions. So thanks guys.